Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you, Larry, for that great song service today. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Brother Larry, you went live with a live band and music, and you played and sang. <clears throat> That's not an easy thing to do, and uh, I, I really, I really appreciate I remember the last time that I tried to play the guitar and sing it. No, actually, I don't remember uh, that uh, because I can't, uh, <clears throat> I can't do it. Thank you so much. Well, we're looking today at the Holy Trinity. The series is Big Ideas, and we've been uh, looking at big ideas throughout the summer. This is to next, the next to last message in the Big Ideas series. Next Sunday, we will have our last message in the Big Ideas uh, uh, series. And the message today is about the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. It just doesn't get any bigger than that. In a moment, we'll look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 4 through 9. The late D. James Kennedy, and many of you will remember uh, that famous image right there and that very famous uh, Presbyterian uh, minister who was down around uh, Coral Gables, I think, in that general area down there. I can't remember exactly, but a very uh, distinguished and and respected man of God. He once said this in a sermon. I remember years ago talking to a man in his home about Christ and asking him who he thought Jesus was. He said, oh, he's a wonderful man. He was the greatest man who ever lived, the most loving and gracious person who ever walked upon this earth. I said, that is, D. James Kennedy, Let me tell you something I believe will startle you. According to scriptures and the historic Christian faith, Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter of Galilee, was and is the eternal creator of the universe, the omnipotent, the omniscient, the almighty God. Instantly, his eyes filled with tears this man of about 55 or 60 years old. And he said, I have been in church all of my life and I've never heard that before. But I always thought that's the way that it ought to be. That God ought to be like Jesus. Well, God is indeed like Jesus because God is Jesus and Jesus is God. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one, equal in one. One is not big God and the other junior varsity God. They're all God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Israel was instructed to remember the person of God, but they missed as we saying earlier that marvelous mystery of the Trinity, specifically of Jesus. Here is a passage of Scripture that is very famous in the Jewish faith. It's referred to as the Shema. And uh, if you go into a a traditional and a practicing Jewish home, you will see written uh, on a a medallion, typically somewhere on the doorpost, a, uh, at least a version of or part of this. It's written 
in Hebrew, the <clears throat> Shema. You've heard it before, but today we're going to look at it in terms of the Holy Trinity. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. <clears throat> you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall <clears throat> talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That is the <clears throat> Shema. Here's what we're about to do. We're about to embark on what I would call a dubious journey of trying to give some insight into the big idea of the Holy Trinity in the limited amount of time that we have for preaching on a Sunday morning. A greater problem than that is our limited understanding. Now I'm going to teach you without doubt the truth of the Word of God. I'm not going to expect any of us to fully grasp it. I'm not going to expect any of us to get all of it. I'm thinking that, <clears throat> that most of us, in fact all of us, will lose something in it. However, <clears throat> that being said, I'm going to ask all of us to believe it. The Holy Trinity is a truth of Scripture, and it is a, a truth that is hard for all of us to grasp, but it is not hard for God. And let me say this to you, <clears throat> the Trinity in no way offends the unity of God. Some people say, well, <clears throat> I believe that God is one. The Trinity does not offend that unity. Ephesians uh, 4 and verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is one God, no question. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, <clears throat> the man Christ Jesus. No question, there is one God. Here's what Jesus said, and we're going to repeat this again later on in the body of the message. Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 30 said, I <clears throat> and the Father are one. So if we fix anything today, and we'll come back to this, but if we fix anything today, let us fix this idea that somehow or another that God the Father is God, but Jesus really isn't. <clears throat> Jesus is the Savior, but He's not really God. He couldn't be the Savior if He were not God. <clears throat> so Jesus is God. Now our outline and our, what we're going to follow today is rather straightforward. Let's begin with this. The persons of the Trinity. The persons of the Trinity are straightforward. Just so we can see it clearly, I want to break it down for you and just give you a verse of confirmation. We won't go into exhaustive study, but just a verse of confirmation. First of all, the Holy Trinity is involved or made up of the Father. God the Father is the Holy Trinity. John chapter 6 and verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Now when most of us talk about God, we're thinking of the Father. Most people, when they are ref referencing God, in their mind, in their heart, in their general understanding, they're thinking about God the Father. 
Now, I'm not sure that it really matters who we're thinking of since God is three in one. But oftentimes, when we pray, we pray to the Father. Uh, we'll say, our Heavenly Father, or Dear Father, our Father, our Father who art in heaven. <clears throat> we'll begin by talking to the Father. You say, well, then it's wrong to speak to Jesus. Oh, absolutely not. It's wrong <clears throat> to speak to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. I'm just saying that most of us, when we think of God, <clears throat> we think in terms of the Father. And we're absolutely right. The Father is most definitely God. When we talk about doing God's will, oftentimes, while we don't get technical about it and do not uh, break it down into some minute detail, <clears throat> we are usually thinking about the Father. I want to do the Father's will. I want to do God's will. So when you're looking at <clears throat> the persons of the Trinity, you just cannot overlook the fact that God the Father is the person of the Trinity. Neither can you overlook the fact <clears throat> that God the Son is the person of the Trinity. You say, the person of the Trinity? Oh, yes, God is three and one. I can speak of God the Father as the person of the Trinity, God the Son <clears throat> as the person of the Trinity, and God the Holy Spirit as the person of the Trinity. It's not a semantic issue. It's a matter of belief and believing that God is one <clears throat> God. In, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, but the Son of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Sounds to me like the writer of Hebrews is speaking of the Father and talking about the Son in terms of the Son being God. And that's true. And the reason that the Father talks about the Son being God is because that the Son is God. Jesus is God. Uh, the Father is God. Now, this goes to our opening illustration of the eternal God. Sometimes people express their devotion to the Lord, and <clears throat> here's what they say. Well, I just want to make sure that my life counts for God and Jesus. Now, I appreciate that people say that, and I understand how people can say that. But it's, it's redundant. To say, I want my life to count for God and Jesus is to say, I want my life to count for God and God, which is fine. But if you're going to do that, go ahead and all three. I want my life to count for God and God and God. <clears throat> not being facetious, well, a little bit facetious, but I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that God the Son is as much God as God the Father is God. There's, <clears throat> there is not one particle of difference. <clears throat> if, if you were to, to weigh God the Father and weigh God the Son, and <clears throat> God the Father weighed 50 million tons, God the Son would not weigh uh, 50 million tons minus an ounce. <clears throat> they are both God. They are as much God. Get it. <clears throat> they are as much God. That's why we revere the name of God. <clears throat> That's why we do not take the name of God in vain. I, I wouldn't say Jesus Christ as a swear any more than <clears throat> I would say God the Father as a swear. I wouldn't mash my thumb and say, God the Father. <clears throat> and I wouldn't say Jesus Christ. And the reason is because that is a, that is a casual, that is a, a swearing, if you will, uh, taking of God's name. Again, the verse we read earlier, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Now he went on to speak these words of clarity to Philip. We're talking about 
who the Trinity is and what the Trinity is made up of, who the Trinity is made up of, the Father and the Son. Here's what he said to Philip in John 14 and verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Now, you know who said that? Jesus said that. Randy Ray didn't say it in a sermon. Billy Sunday didn't say it in a sermon. The Pope didn't say that. Jesus Christ himself said, how can you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you can carry that on. If you worship me, you worship the Father. If you worship the Father, you worship me. I and my Father are one. Let's not miss that. Jesus is God, not little God, not junior varsity God, not elementary school God, not God in training. Jesus is God. And everything that we're going to say about God today, Jesus is all that. <clears throat> He's all of that. So who is the person or the, who are the persons of the Trinity? <clears throat> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what we're doing today. We're learning some things that we should have gotten in vacation Bible school. <clears throat> but most of us, somehow or another, took a turn and began to think of, of the three uh, persons of the Trinity as three separate entities. They're not three separate entities. They are one. They are one God. <clears throat> three persons, one God. How can that be? I don't know. That's what makes it so awesome. I can't figure it out. But I love preaching things that I can't figure out. I can't figure out how God would send his only son to die on the cross for a sinner like me. I can't figure that out. If I could figure that out, somehow or another, I wouldn't be humble enough to receive the gift of salvation. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit being God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 3 is a very interesting passage. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back part uh, for yourself, uh, part, keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own? Now let me back up. Remember, he asked him, he said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to, look at it, say it with me, but to God. Now, wait a minute. Simon Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira, you have lied to God. Well, I thought you said I lied to the Holy Spirit. I did. The Holy Spirit is God. You have lied to God. This is a famous story of a husband and wife who lied about their participation in what was really a voluntary free will offering. Now, here's what they did. They pretended to give uh, sacrificially when they secretly held back from giving what they were led to give. I remember years ago, I was in a church service. I was visiting some, some service. I can't remember where, but I was visiting some service, and they were passing the offering plate at the close of the service. And I never will forget this. There was an older member of the church sitting down from me, and they passed the offering plate past me, and I literally saw this lady do this. This lady uh, took her hand and put over the offering plate and t- tapped it with her knuckles, and it went on. <clears throat> 
I thought to myself, my goodness, <laughs> this. And at the close of the service, I said, Sapphira, it's uh, very good to meet you. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, I've, I've actually seen that done. done. Pretending, <clears throat> but not, they, they pretended to give sacrificially. Now, it, it was not a problem for them to give less, but it was a problem for them to lie to God. As Peter said, they lied to the Holy Spirit, and that was tantamount to lying to God. You have lied to God. <clears throat> so there you have it. I could stop right there, and we couldn't say any, wouldn't have to say anything else, and you'd understand if you believe the Bible, if you believe the Word of God, if you believe God, you'd say, <clears throat> the Bible says that God the Father is God. The Bible says that God the Son is God. The Bible says that God the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible says that there is one God. But the Bible says there are three persons of one God. That must be what we call the Trinity. The Trinity is not a word you ever find in Scripture any more than you find the word rapture in Scripture. But it is a truth of Scripture. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those are the persons of God. Now what about the presence of the Trinity? Well, the presence of the Trinity <clears throat> is interesting. Here's the question. Is there ever a time when the Trinity all show up at the same time? Is there ever a time when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there at the exact same time? Or do they run backstage and change clothes? <clears throat> or are they there at the same, do they ever come to the same place at the same time? Well, of course, God is omnipresent, so He is at all places at all times. God is at all places at all times? Absolutely. When the most wonderful things on earth are happening, God is present. When the most awful things on earth is happening, God is present. God is God. <clears throat> God doesn't take off. You say, well, well, how is it that God makes these terrible things happen? I honestly believe with all of my heart that Adam made th these terrible things happen. God created us in a perfect state, and Adam made the decision to disobey God. I blame you ladies for a lot of stuff, but I don't blame you for the fall. <clears throat> I blame Adam for the fall. Adam didn't know how to deal. He didn't know how to communicate with a woman. And <clears throat> so she made this offer to him of disobeying God, and he disobeyed God. So there, God is omnipresent. <clears throat> there are, however, three distinct records of the appearance of the Holy Trinity at the same time. I want to tell you when they are. First of all, obvious creation. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit present at creation. Let me just pull back and remind you that all of these notes are, are on, uh, online uh, when you come to the service. If you bring your smartphone or your, your tablet device and you can download them right here in the auditorium on version, and you can email them to yourself. You've got the outline and all the scripture references. I say that because this is the kind of stuff that you really need to have in your records. You need to have a file of these kinds of things uh, in your records of the, <clears throat> the verses that speak of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, how was Jesus present, and how was the Holy Spirit present, and the Father present? at the creation. Well, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have <clears throat> dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens 
and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps <clears throat> on earth. Now, here's an interesting thing. He said, let us make man. Now, who was he talking to? Well, he wasn't talking to Adam because he was about to make Adam. <clears throat> he wasn't talking to the angels because the angels didn't create heaven and earth. God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, they did not make man, so the us is not the angels. Who is the us in let us? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We know for absolute sure that the Holy Spirit was present. We know that absolutely certain because Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 says that the Spirit moved on the face of the earth. didn't say a spirit. It was <clears throat> the Spirit. God moved on the face of the waters is what the Bible says. And from John chapter 1 and verse 3, we read this concerning Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Well, there you go. Everybody showed up for creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are in creation. It's a magnificent and a wonderful thing. It's not a giant leap to see that all of the, the Holy Trinity is present at creation. They were also present at another key and pivotal point in history, and that was the birth. Not just a birth. I think God's present at a birth. My little Emerson granddaughter is approaching four months old now, and I can tell you that she is a gift from God, and God was there when she was born. But God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son were present at <clears throat> the birth. I want to show you something about the presence of the Holy Trinity, actually at the Immaculate Conception, Luke chapter 1 and 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, <clears throat> the Son of God. There it is, right there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right there at the conception and all the way through, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus was born. <clears throat> Jesus was born fully God and fully man. Now you say, oh, wait a minute now, okay. How does that work out? Well, God made that happen. I can't make that happen. I just can't do it. I've got three uh, grandchildren, and at some times I think they're little angels. Other times they're little devils. <clears throat> I can't make them into a little angel. I can make them into a little devil. But I can't explain to you how God and man can be one in Jesus, but God and man are one in Jesus. He is the incarnate Christ. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. As a child, Jesus lived a sinless life. As a little child. You want me to tell you something that's even more amazing than that, teenagers? When he was your age, look up at me for just a second. When he was your age, he lived sinlessly. Now, I love you teenagers, but you've sinned since you came into the service today. 
you probably sinning right then when I told you to look up, weren't you? So, and I'm serious, kidding about that. But think about that. They lived your... He never got in trouble. The only time he ever got in trouble with his parents was because he stayed at church too long. Did you know that? That's the truth. He stayed at church. They left in the, the town and they left him back at church. Well, at synagogue, actually. But he stayed there too long. He lived a... was born of a virgin... He lived a sinless life as a child, as a teenager. Then he began his earthly ministry as a young adult. And, and there, Jesus has had the presence of the Holy Spirit and of God the Father. So you have the presence of uh, the Trinity at creation, the presence of the Trinity at the birth. Now, where else was the presence of the Trinity made manifest? This is, if not, maybe the most famous. And that is at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus the man came to be baptized of John the Baptist. And here's what happened when Jesus the man was baptized of John the Baptist. John the Baptist and everybody else discovered that this wasn't just Jesus the man, this was Jesus God. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Holy, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, and coming to rest on him. And the Father, I, I didn't include it, but the Father spoke from above and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all there. Can you imagine that experience? Can you imagine the experience of John the Baptist who... That very day, immersed the, he immersed the Son of God. He saw the Spirit of God. He heard the voice of God. He had his hands on the Son of God as he immersed him. He led him down into the water. He baptized him. He brought him up out of the water. And the Holy Spirit of God lit like a dove. And the voice of God the Father said, This is my Son and whom I am well pleased, the most complex truth of all eternity played out right in the presence of this old rugged preacher's eyes as he had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. I'll tell you this, he would tell you that the Holy Trinity is a big idea. He probably spent the rest of his days, which were shortened because of, of cruelty and, and being martyred, but he would tell you the rest of his days, guess what? Something huge happened. I experienced the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. We have seen now the persons of the Trinity and the presence of the Trinity. Let's look for a moment at the power of the Trinity. What is the power? Well, first of all, He is immortal. Immortal. <clears throat> I'm not talking about one of the Incredibles. I'm not talking about Captain America. I'm not talking about Superman. I'm not talking about Hercules. I'm talking about God, immortal. Psalm 90 and verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth, the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God. Would you say that with me? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, look, come on, let's say it again. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We could say this, from infinite to infinite, 
you are God. From one end to the other, you are God. Well, what's the end? There is no end. You are the immortal, immortal God. Look, that's a little hard to take in, and here's why. Because in this life, we have a beginning and an end. I was talking to somebody before the, the uh, well, I was talking to Susie Mazolik down here, who was uh, um, uh, with Beavis uh, Funeral Home, and, and uh, I was talking to her about different ways that people uh, can, where they're buried and embalmed and, and how they're embalmed and all that. And I made this, st- and, and she said she could do it. And I've told Jan this, that when, when I, you know how usually it's this? You know, it doesn't have to be like that. There can be other things. And I asked her if she could do it. Frank, I'm sorry, but we had this conversation. You know it's fair game. I told her that, you know, people come by, and usually it's, it's kind of a sad thing. I, want to be, I, I don't want it to be that way. I asked her, I said, can you embalm people with their eyes open? She said, yes. I never knew that. I know y'all think that's a horrible thing, but it's not a horrible thing because this is the way I want to be. Now, seriously, don't you think your grief would go away a little bit if you came by and saw me like that? I mean, the three of you that would grieve. Uh, And you know what she said? I can do that. Your own. And I'm also going to pre-tape my own funeral. And I'm going to start with, I told you I was sick. I'll get off of that. <clears throat> we, have a, we have a beginning and an end. Now, even though the children of God, we, when we get saved, we are given eternal life and, and we look for eternity, we still have a beginning. One of the most difficult aspects of anything for me to grasp is the eternality of God. We can kind of see eternity future, can't we? I mean, I'm saved, and, and I, I know that we're going to live, because we live now, and you know. But in our minds, there was a time when we were not. I mean, that, I, there was a time when, on, on March the 6th, 1950, I became Randy. Well, actually, I was in the form of becoming Randy Ray for several months earlier. But I, on March the 6th is the date that we marked that I began. I, I be, I'm Randy Ray on March the 6th. But now, get this. This immortal eternal God never began. Now see, that's hard to wrap your head around, Jesse. That's hard to think about. I don't have a way to think about that. I don't have a, I don't have a thing that I can say or do that would cause me to get it. I just believe it. That's the great thing about God. If you could figure out God, you could take him apart. I can't figure him out. So if you've got computers figured out, you can take them apart and put them back together. I can't. But I'll say this, none of us and no one ever has figured out God. God is the eternal God. Not only is he immortal, but as we've been expressing, he's incomprehensible. I can't comprehend him. There's a world-renowned scientist by the name of, he's dead now, Dr. Henry Morris, who who co-authored the Genesis Flood. I don't know if some of you have ever read the Genesis or heard the, the book, The Genesis Flood. Uh, the, it's a case for the creation. And <clears throat> here's what he had to say. My scientists are going to find this very interesting. 
He said that the universe is Trinitarian by design. The universe consists of three things, matter, space, and time. You take away any one of those three and the universe would cease to exist. Take away matter, the universe ceases to exist. Take away space, it ceases to exist. Take away time, it ceases to exist. But he also said in each one of these there is a Trinitarian philosophy. Matter equals mass plus energy plus motion. Space equals length plus height plus breadth. Take away any one of them and space doesn't exist. Matter doesn't exist. Time is the past, the present, and the future. That's a good explanation, maybe as good as any of the Trinity, but it's not a full explanation because you cannot fully explain the Holy Trinity. It's, it's incomprehensible. Holman wrote in his commentary, and I'm going to just read it straight to you. The teaching regarding the Trinity is incomprehensible. It is truth for the heart. The fact that it cannot be satisfactorily explained instead of refuting such a truth rather underscores it. No one could have imagined this doctrine, such a truth had to be revealed. As the church fathers affirmed, the Trinity is divinely revealed, not humanly constructed. It would be absurd if it were a human invention. It is not self-evident or logically consistent, but it is a mystery that God has revealed. It's just huge. What's the power of the Trinity? It's immortal. It's incomprehensible. It's immutable. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Now, of course, that means that God has always been and God will always be, but I will tell you this, it means that God doesn't change. Here's an interesting thing to say in, in 2014. Get this, get this. Do you know that God is in no way obligated to be relevant? <laughs> I just want to be relevant, man. God is not obligated to be relevant to us. We're obligated to be relevant to Him. God doesn't have to be cool. God is cool. And, and, and let me tell you <clears throat> what's, what's really cool is when we get a, a grasp of who God is and we come into His presence as though He were a holy God, not somebody that knocked on the back door. You so say, I just want to be friends with God. I understand. Be friends with God. But understand that He is the eternal, immutable God. He's the everlasting God. I don't, I don't expect God to change who He is for me. I expect to come before God and say, God, change who I am for you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.8, concerning Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so here's what we've seen of the big idea of the Holy Trinity. We have seen the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Trinity. Let's come together for this one final point and we're done. And that is the place of the Trinity. What place does the Holy Trinity hold in your life? Well, I went to church today and the preacher preached about the Holy Trinity, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with that. And I believe it. Right, Mary? I believe it, but who knows what it's supposed to do for me? I don't know. I'm going to get ready to tell you. 
The work of God is done in the name of God as shown in many of the doxologies of Scripture. We should always have the sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe uh, all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace, love, and fellowship of the Trinity goes with us. So then, for our own practical understanding, let's talk about the place of the Trinity in our lives. First of all, we worship the Father. I said earlier, God doesn't get mad if you praise the name of Jesus, but we worship the Father. There's, there's no jealousy. The Father and the Spirit and the Son are one and our worship of the Father uh, is equal to all. When we pray, we normally go in the name of the Son as led by the Spirit. God is always God. He's always there. We worship the Father. I, years ago, I used to sing the uh, Lord's Prayer. I, I used to sing before I preached. And I would sing, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I never sang that without feeling a sense of worship to the Father. We worship the Father. We walk in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5.25 says. The Christian life is a journey. It's not an arrival. It is a path. It's not a destination. And to navigate the journey and stay on the path, we follow the Spirit. As we learned last week, that's done by reading and living in the word what do we do we worship the father we walk in the spirit and we watch for the son titus 2 13 waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ all that we do in the our service for Christ is done in the, for God is done in the name of Jesus Christ with an awareness that he's coming someday. We want to earn these crowns so that when we get to heaven, we'll have this bank of crowns and we say, well, where do I get to spend these crowns? Oh, there's one place to spend it. You lay them at Jesus' feet. You mean Jesus who I, I learned back there in church was God and is God? Oh yeah, he's God, all right. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. And, and could I just say this? Please let me say it. When I consider the vastness and the greatness and the wideness and the broadness and the eternality of and, and the omnipotence of and the omniscience of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am embarrassed to offer my preference for how I think he ought to work in my life. 
Well, in the National Gallery of Art in London, there's a picture of the crucifixion. But it's so dark that at first you can't see anything. But if you stand there long enough and stare and ponder it and don't allow your gaze to falter, eventually you will see in the darkness a very dim figure of a crucified Christ. If you continue to look and look longer and don't allow your attention to be diverted, you'll begin to discern behind the figure of Christ there is the Father holding his Son up. And on his face is a look of unimaginable grief. There in those five hours, no matter what depths we, uh, to which depths he went, Jesus knew that the Father was with him. Jesus knew that the Spirit was with him. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost suffering together. That's a mystery I cannot explain, but it is true. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.